Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gold Creek, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger with this week's message from Story Point Church. You ever walked into a room? Feel like Groundhog Day. Feel like I just said that. And when you walked into the room, you go, you know what's coming next, right? Why am I here? You ever done that? And, you know, in my younger days, I would walk in and I would just stand there and I'd go, man, I know it's something. And I would, I would just, just stay there until I figured it out. Now I give it like 60 seconds and I'm out. I'm like, I'll figure it out later. And I walk away and then I come back, okay, now I remember. Or have you ever called somebody on the phone? You dialed the phone and as it's ringing, you're like, who was I calling again? You ever done that? Haven't it? Show, show yourself. Admit it, huh? It's like, wow. You know, there's a truth about life, and that is that, at least I think it's a truth, the more stuff you have in your brain, the more you have to file through to remember what the heck you're doing. Because as your life gets busier and as your life gets more full and as your, your brain gets more stuff in there, it's easy to forget why you're here right? And so there's no shame in going back to the basics and saying, okay, let me just remind myself why I'm here. Because here's what I've discovered. I've discovered if you get the foundation right, everything on top of that usually goes pretty well. If you get the foundation wrong, everything on top of that is crooked. If you don't believe me, just bake a multi-layer cake and mess up the first layer. Everything's leaning if the foundation is not right. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. We're going to go back to the basics today, and we're going to look at really the most important thing that we should know about our responsibility in the kingdom of God. So we've been talking about the kingdom of God, and if you remember, I started by saying that the kingdom of God is not just about you. You're not the center of it. I'm not the center of it. Your salvation is not just so you can spend eternity with God in heaven. It's not just so you can have a get-out-of-hell-free card. When God saved you, He rescued you out of your own sin, and He breathed life into you, and He breathed life into you And because he breathed life into you, he made you a part of his family. But we use the term family because God is our father. But we could also shift a little bit and use the term citizen because he's not just our father, but he's also king of a kingdom, right? So Jesus is the everlasting king of the kingdom of God. And so you are a citizen of the kingdom of God if you've been born again if you have been given life through Jesus Christ. What that means is, as a part of this kingdom, you have certain rights and responsibilities, right? Now, it's easy for us to think that once we're in the kingdom, we're all good, right? It's like going to Disneyland. All of this was built for me. All of this was not built for me. All of this was built for the glory of God. I was built for the glory of God, so I exist to love Him And to help others to love Him. Some would say it this way. I was made to know God and to make God known. 
All of those phrases, all of that terminology leads to the same conclusion. The kingdom of God has, still has room for more people. And the question would be, how is God building his kingdom? Well, the answer is this. It's you and me. When Jesus, don't turn there unless you want to, Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, here's what he said. He said, whenever you pray, you must not be, excuse me, he said, therefore, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, some of y'all are like, that's not what he said. Here's what y'all know he said. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? I'm reading out of the HCSB, the uh, Home and Christian Standard. KJV, the King James, says, says it with the arch and the vows. But here's the point. We're supposed to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Question, where on earth is this kingdom to be built. Where on earth are we supposed to be working to build his kingdom? Well, Jesus answered that for us in what we know in Acts chapter 1 as the Great Commission. Now, in many Christian circles, this is known as the Great Omission. Because what happens is, as, as the people of God, we get, we get bogged down in just living. We get bogged down in the cares of life. We have stuff we have to deal with. We have relationships we have to keep juggling. And we have all these things in life. And to top it all off, as a church, there are so many things right here for us to have to think about that oftentimes the church starts to look inward and they're spending all their energy effort just to keep this going. And we forget and we omit the calling of the people of God. That's you and that's me. The calling of the people of God is the great commission. And Jesus said it this way. He gathered his disciples together. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4. He gathered his disciples together, and while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. So he said, y'all come on up here. Hurry up and wait. Why are we waiting? They're whispering to each other. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? And Jesus said, you don't have to wonder because I'm about to tell you what I've already told you. He said, what you were waiting for is that which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, listen to this. Are you restoring your kingdom or the kingdom of Israel at this time? See, the Jews or the, the new believers, the Christians, were thinking about the kingdom as well, but they had a very small view of the kingdom. They thought the kingdom was those who were Jewish who trusted in Jesus as the Jewish king who would restore the, the, the Israel kingdom. That, that was in their mind. And it was almost like Jesus kind of under his breath laughed and goes, <laughs> you small-minded people. You really think that it all revolves around you, don't you? You really think that you're the end. You're not the end. You're the beginning. What Jesus said afterwards was this. He said, It is not for you to know the times or period that the Father has set by his own authority. But, verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses 
in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends or the uttermost parts of the earth. So he blows their mind. He takes them from a very small-minded kingdom understanding and he explodes it into the world is for my kingdom. And not just the world generally, but to the ends of the earth. As far as you could walk is where God's kingdom is being established and where he is continuing to use his people uh, to fully establish it. So let's backtrack just a little bit, okay? So they were gathered together and Jesus said, you're going to stay here and you're going to receive the gift that I've promised you and that gift is the Holy Spirit and with that gift you will receive power. Now that word power, we, we have an English word that is the same word, or we have an English word, it's dunamis. The English word we get from that is dynamite. So this explosive power. Dynamite is used to build, build uh, bridges and tunnels through rock. It's used to, to incinerate things. Dynamite is incredibly powerful. The Holy Spirit gives us that dunamis power to do what? To be his witnesses. No doubt the Jew or the Christians here, the apostles, were looking at Jesus going, man, Jesus, that sounds great, but we can hardly handle what we got here. There's no way we can do anything out there. And Jesus said, I've got a secret sauce. I've got a special weapon. I've got something that when you receive this, you will be able to do everything that I've commanded you and sent you to do. You will have the Holy Spirit. Now let me, let me kind of explain in human terms how I see this working. Again, this is just my own little feeble brain. I like to connect pictures and stories to what the Scripture truth is, Okay. This past week, I had a chance to visit a friend of mine, and he has a long-distance shooting range. His longest shot is 1,200 yards. That is six-tenths of a mile, right? So he has targets all throughout this range. I told the young adults this on Wednesday. They're going to hear it again because I love this story. So um, I was like, you know, I want to shoot that far, but there's no way I can do it. That's impossible. And, and it actually happened this way. We were, he was showing us the range. We were up on the platform that he shoots from, and he was just telling us, see that target out there? That's 1,200 yards. See that target over there? That's 900. See that one there? It's 644 yards. And then he said people are constantly saying, man, I can hit that, that one at 600 yards. 644 yards is six and a half football fields. That's a long way. When he said, you see that one over there? I was like, uh, it's like seeing a squirrel at 100 yards. I mean, just it, it's like teeny, teeny, tiny for that far. And, and he said people all the time bring their guns, and they're like, yeah, I can shoot that, no problem. They have all this confidence, and I let them fire an entire box of rounds. They don't even come close to it. And here's why. They don't have the skills, but more than that, they don't know what they're doing. They're relying on what they think they know, but they're so much more involved. And I said, I think I could hit that. <laughs> now, but there's a caveat. I wasn't really saying I want to try then, right now. I was just kind of saying out loud, I think I could hit that if, because I heard what he said, if you show me how to do it. And he said, well, why don't we try? 
So he went to his truck and he came back with a big old rifle, with a big old scope, and he set it down, put the legs down. He said, here's what I'm going to do. That target needs this MOA, and he adjusted all kinds of stuff, and he set it all up. And then he said, sit down and aim at the nose of that target. It was a coyote made out of steel. He said, if you'll do what I say, you'll hit the target. Here's the thing. I had to use his weapon with his optics, and I had to listen to what he said, but I still had a part in it. I had to actually be still and pull the trigger. But I knew that if I did what he said, if I trusted him, he built the thing, he knows it, he shot there thousands and thousands of times. All I had to do was my part, and I would hear that ding. So I sat there, he was like, Wind's blowing four miles out of the east. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> and everybody was still. I felt the trigger. I squeezed it off. Boom! My, my first thought was, dang it, I missed it. Then it was ding! It was so far that there was this delay between the shot. And when I made the shot, I jumped up and I'm like, yeah! I mean, I was like a little teeny tiny kid. I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't think there was any possibility I would ever hit that target so far away. I've never done that before. I didn't have the equipment, but I listened to the guy who built the range, and I listened to the guy who built the gun, and I listened to the guy who knew everything that I didn't know, and I simply pulled the trigger, and it worked. That is what Acts 1.8 means. And you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, if you've been born again, you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We talk about this all the time. At some point, we're going to believe it. It's not some mystical thing. It's literally the presence of God in your life. It's the Spirit of God who indwells you. And He has so many different functions. He comforts us. He convicts us. He, he, he gives us wisdom. He gives us clarity. But one of the things that He does is He gives us power. When we speak, our words have power. When we act, when we do, our actions have power. Not because we're so good or so great. It's because we're trusting in the one who knows infinitely more than we do. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and just say this. Say, do you believe that God's Spirit is able to do that? Do you believe that? Now, you know, the problem with preaching this is there's, there's so many misunderstandings and there's so many theologies about what it means to have the Spirit, what it looks like and all that. Here's what I can tell you. Jesus said, wait here, you'll receive the Spirit. When you receive the Spirit, you receive the power of God to do what God wants you to do. And that is be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So all those details about how and what and when, you can work those out. I believe I know what the Scripture teaches about it, but guess what? If that little section right there, you figure that part out. I just want to make sure you're at this part where it says, okay, the Spirit of God is giving me power to carry out an impossible task. Now are you ready? Here's the fun part. I don't mean to be screaming. I'm just excited. hope I'm not screaming. He says, you'll be my witnesses. Now, somebody might say, I know. Wait a minute. Jesus said his apostles 
will be witnesses. He didn't say I would. He said they will be, my, they will be witnesses. Well, it, it would be nice to be let off the hook maybe, but Jesus also said in Matthew 28, he said to make disciples of all nations and what it means to make disciples of all nations. By the way, there is that word again, the ends of the earth. All nations, all ethnicities to the uttermost parts of the earth. Make disciples, and then he said this, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So Jesus said to the apostles, you will be my witnesses, but he also said to them, teach every disciple you make all that I've commanded you, because what I've commanded you is what I'm commanding them. So all the way now, 2,000 years from the time of Jesus, his command still remains. Whose job is it to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth? It's your job, and it's my job. And see, the thing is, we forget about this because we are so often so consumed with what we have to do right here. The truth is, we got a lot to do right here. And if we neglect here for there, we're not being faithful to the commandment. But if we then neglect there for here, we're not being faithful either. You say, well, that's too much. How are we going to do all this? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So let's just break this down. He gave us four areas. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem was where they were. They were in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And so in Jerusalem was their, their home. Our Jerusalem is right here, Gulf Breeze, Pensacola. It's where we live. It's where we're going to spend most of our time. So we should have a heavily invested kingdom work in our hometown. And I want you to know that we do. By the way, this command was to individual disciples and to the disciples collectively. You and I need to understand that individually we are on mission with God. We are working and building the kingdom of God. But also, we are doing it collectively as the church. I hope you never call me at 5 p.m. and say, hey, do you mind if I give a, a sandwich to a homeless guy? That, that's not even like a question, right? I mean, you, you don't have to ask permission. Hey, do you mind if I support this ministry? No. That, it's your money. It's your response. You hear God and you do what he says to do. But at the same time, it's dangerous when we only do what we do and we don't join with the local church. Why? Because you can do way more together than you can do alone. The power of a team is far more greater than the power of an individual. So again, it's not an either or, it is a both and. So as you go, you're making disciples, but also connecting back to your people. Hey, what's our plan? What's our strategy? We're doing several things that is geared towards building God's kingdom in our Jerusalem. One of them is the dental bus. You heard about that. That's a phenomenal opportunity. It's amazing how that's come together. It's our second year doing it. Another thing is we're setting up a grill at PSC in Pensacola twice a month starting in February, and we're going to serve hamburgers to the college students who are hungry. Guess what? Every college student is hungry. We're going to set up some, uh, what do they call that, cornball, no, cornhole. We're going to set up some cornhole and some other different games and we're just going to hang out with college students as they come by, and we're going to care about them. You say, well, how does that build the kingdom of God? Well, every single relationship with Jesus, I say every, most relationships with Jesus come about because somebody introduced them to Jesus. 
The way you introduce somebody to Jesus is to be friends yourself, to actually care. That's what we're going to do. We're partnering with the Baptist Collegiate Ministries, and we're just going to set up a grill, cook burgers. You say, well, man, that's expensive. You know what? I'll spend $200 on a Monday to, bur- to cook burgers for college students any day, all day long. Why? Because it's people. We've also got some work that we continually do at Waterfront Mission. You probably know this, but every Wednesday, uh, every, one Wednesday a month, we not only cook a meal, we serve a meal, and we also have a team that does a service. I'm working with a chaplain now in uh, uh, Santa Rosa County for the state to do a once-a-month service for the inmates. Here's a little secret. If we bring honey buns, we'll have 100 guys show up just like that. Because apparently it's hard to get honey buns in prison. Who knew? You say, well, wait a minute. That's just jail. That's that's, that's just foxhole conversion. You know what? The number of people that are genuinely born again in prison would amaze you. Isn't that true? You say, well, why? Because in prison you ain't got nowhere else to look but up. You are incarcerated. You got caught. You're paying the penalty for whatever they said you did and whatever you did. And you can't look anywhere but up. You're literally saying, I got nothing. And God says, well, let me redeem you. That's why we're doing that. And there's so many more things I would tell you, but we don't have time. But those are just a few things. What if each of us decided to do one of those things? What kind of kingdom building could we do? But wait, there's more. (laughs) That's Jerusalem. Judea, so Israel was divided into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was Galilee and uh, uh, Nazareth, the surrounding area. The southern kingdom was Jerusalem and a little bit further north and a little bit further south. When Jesus said Jerusalem and Judea, he was saying Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. It'd be the outskirts. It would be, it'd be like the county for us. It'd be like, you know, Santa Rosa and Escambia County, a, a concentric circle that's a little bit bigger. We have baby bottles that is supporting the Life Care Options Clinic. That's part of us reaching out the kingdom of God in our Judea. See, the cool thing is you're already doing it. You may not even realize it's what it is. We've got all kinds of opportunities doing that stuff. But then he goes to Samaria. What is Samaria? See, the Samaritans were half-breeds. They were not fully Jewish. They were not fully Gentile. They were what they would consider mutts. They were, they were mixed blood. The Jews had an especial, a special hatred, and, and dis, dis, they despised the mixed blood. Why? They were sellouts. Their mom and dad, Jewish and Gentile, married, and they had this, this illegitimate child is what they would have thought. So the Jews would have never reached out to the Samaritans. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the people you don't like. And then he said, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, I've kind of rephrased this just for my own brain. It goes like this. Jerusalem, people like us. Judea, people not like us. Samaria, people we don't like. Uttermost parts of the earth, people we don't know what they're like. Where is God sending us to build His kingdom? To people like us. To people not like us. To people we don't like. And to people we don't even know what they're like. 
That's the commission. That's the charge for you and for me. What if that became our desire and our passion? What if God broke our hearts for for the people who live next to us and for the people who live so far away we don't even know that they exist? Uttermost parts of the earth is where I want to finish. There is a phrase that in, in church circles we use, or in missionary circles we use, it's called UUPG. That stands for Unengaged, Unreached People Groups. About 10, or tw- about 10 years ago, as a church, we, s- we believed God wanted us to reach an unengaged, unreached people group. So we started praying about it. We did a couple trips to, to find, and it never did work out. And I was very disappointed about that. I felt like we, I just didn't understand it. An unengaged, unreached people group. A people group is a group of people who are like in ethnicity, in language, similar culture and custom, right? There are over 2,000, some say over 3,000 people groups in the world that are unengaged and unreached in 2022. Now, unengaged means nobody is actively sharing the kingdom of God with them. There's no connection. There's nothing there. Unreached means less than 2% of the population knows Jesus. So let me let those numbers sink in. Two to 3,000 unengaged, nobody's going. Unreached, less than 2% believers, which probably means there's hardly any believers, like none in most of those places because nobody's going. How can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless somebody preaches? How can somebody preach unless they are sent, Right? Two to 3,000 in the world today, 2022, where the gospel has not yet been preached, heard, believed. 22, or two to 3,000. By the way, there are over 7,000 UPGs, unreached, which means less than 2% of their population knows Jesus. 7,000. This represents well over a billion people. If that doesn't break our heart. See, what I'm afraid is that you heard those numbers and they just got all jumbled up and you're like, uh. What I really want you to hear is I want you to see a face. I want you to see a face of an old man or an old woman who's 30, but she looks like she's been around for 80 years because life is so hard. I want you to see a face of a child Those eyes wide open, never having heard the same gospel that you've heard. And I want it to crush your heart and break your heart to where you say, God, I don't know what to do. but Whatever it is, I'm willing. It just so happens, and we don't have time this morning to tell you all about it, but it just so happens that God has been stirring the waters amongst us. He's been bringing back relationships that were formed 15 years ago. And it's all pointing in the same direction. There's a cluster of unengaged, unreached people groups in northern India that is unengaged and unreached because it's too hard to get there. There are a handful of churches who have the same heart and mind. They just don't have enough resources to do it. So right now, we're, part, we're working on a partnership with these churches where all five or six of us can gather together and say, that is our target. We can't do it alone. But all of us together, 
we could take the gospel to the ends of the earth. You say, well, why would we do that? The only reason I have is because Jesus said so. That's it. I don't want to stand before God and God say, How'd you do in your Jerusalem? Well, Lord, I, we did pretty good. You know, we, we loved our neighbors, built a really great church, good people. We, we, I mean, it was, we, I think we did solid. Okay, great. So what, did you, what about Judea? Well, you know, we, we didn't do as much, but we did a little bit. What about Samaria? Ah, uh, you know, I mean, we did some. What about the ends of the earth? Well, you know, it just wasn't, I don't want to have that conversation. Instead, I want to stand before Jesus. I want you to stand before Jesus. And he's not going to ask you. He's going to say, can I show you the ends of the earth that are here today? Because you chose to believe what I said in my word. That is what I want to hear. So I'm asking you, will you be his witnesses? If you say, I don't know what to do, perfect. That's exactly where you need to start. We've already got a plan that we're building. I don't know all what we're doing. I just know the direction we're going. If you say you don't know what to do, all you need is, I'm willing if you'll, if you'll, if you'll help me. That's it. Let me tell you why this is so important to me now. Because we're at a point where we've got to start making some decisions about this UUPG. We... We can plan all year, forever. If we don't actually do something, then all we are is good intentions. But what I don't want is to tell you, hey, this is the group we're going to. This is what we're going to do. And y'all are like, oh, okay, well, go ahead. If I'm the only one that owns this, that's no bueno. It needs to be a burden inside of your heart, our hearts. You may never step foot in northern India but, but what we need is for the church to say, yes, this is God's calling to us and for us. Because every hand on the plow is what it's going to take to get the plow moving. Does that make sense? So I'm asking you specifically, will you today ask God to soften your heart to the nations? We've had a closed door. It might be that that window opens, that door opens for a brief time. God help us be ready when it does. And again, there's not enough time to tell you all of the backstory of how all this has come about. But it is, it is for me, it's like there's no way in the world this is an accident. God has put us here for such a time and such a place as this. We're talking about a place where you got to go jump on a motorcycle or start backpacking through the hills looking for huts. And when you find one, you walk in and you start speaking. It's called the Luke 10, I think it is. It's the person of peace method. You find a person of peace who invites you into their home, and if they invite you into the home, that means there's peace there, and you begin to talk about Jesus. And then the cool thing is we have people in those areas. There's just not enough of them to get everywhere to, to find out where the seed is growing. So we go and find out where the seed is growing. We pass that on to the local pastors, and then they go and they do the discipleship. It is a beautiful, beautiful plan. We're just missing the how do we find the people who need to be found. All right, I got to stop. I'm excited, aren't you? All right, so here's my prayer. 
Will you say yes to Jesus? And will you start dreaming bigger than just right here? We're going to do a lot of stuff here. Prison, college, all, we're, get, we're never going to stop that. The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. But if our light only shines here, we're neglecting the commission of Jesus to us. Close your eyes, if you will, and bow your head. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, the Bible says it is by God's grace that you've been saved through faith, not of your works. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, will you do that today? Will you say to him, it's as easy as ABC, admit that you're a sinner and in need of a Savior. That's where repentance comes in. Be, believe that Jesus Christ came, he lived and he died so that you could have a way to the Father. When he died, he died in your place. And then see, confess. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's yielding your life to his, allowing him to be in control of you. If you've never trusted Jesus, will you do that today? This morning, if God has tugged at your heart in some other way that I haven't even spoken about, would you simply say yes to him and start that journey of being obedient? Father in heaven, I pray for your people. I pray for me. I pray for us that you would put into our hearts and our minds this vision, this, this brokenness for the world. God, that we would Spend every ounce of energy we have building your kingdom because that's what you said that you wanted us to do. And Lord, remind us that there is great joy in doing this. Father, this is our prayer in the name of Jesus.